This is 680-CJOB. Hey everyone, I'm Kevin Bergen, and yes, like the man said, this is a main ingredient, and today's show is all about local chefs. Five chefs I interviewed this summer that I think are worth listening to again. Well, there's more than five, but I can only squeeze in five in today's show. So, first up are Louis Glassy and Brandon Schofield from Prairie Box, and I really like these guys. One, because they're great chefs, and two, because they're hilarious. You guys must cook, like I'm, I'm assuming it's one day a week that you cook everything. Yeah, Is that how it works? Yeah. On Saturdays, yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty pretty big day on Saturdays. <laughs> so, I mean, you're playing this at 6 a.m. on Saturdays. We're up before that. Oh, hey, then you, so, can, you can listen to it. That'll yeah, be good. We'll that be totally pumping will. this in the kitchen, absolutely. Oh, that's awesome. That's good. Okay, let's start with... Um, Let's start with question number one, gentlemen, all right? Prairie Box, let's talk about the service your company offers and what brought it to life. This has got to be a good story. I know it is. Yeah. Uh, basically, Brandon and I uh, were we're schemed for ages about what to do. We're thinking, okay, we both have these cooking skills. We both know, you know one very specific thing that'll make us no money in basically any, any way we try to slice it. Um, you know, and we don't have the money to open a restaurant, mm-hmm. you know, because that costs like a hundred thousand bucks. Like, who has that? Yeah, it's a ton, ton, ton to commit yeah. to, right? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, exactly. And the risk is just astronomical. Yeah. Um, and but we're also thinking, but we want to want to make some money. We want to do something new as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, so like I was saying earlier, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. I actually have uh, I worked with my dad for a couple of years. He's a business consultant, so I kind of worked with him. Um, just learning the ropes, you know, learning how a business operates, how to start up a business, a lot of strategic thinking as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of had this little apprenticeship. And then, yeah, Brandon and I were uh, scheming on what we can do, how we can start a business um, without kind of spending all the money in the world and going into a bunch of debt and yada, 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 and also do something fresh. So we came up with Prairie Box, which is a uh, meal a subscription service for families, busy professionals, um, you know, people who are in their 50s, you know, have no real desire to cook, no time to cook, but mm-hmm. they still want to eat a good, healthy, home-cooked meal. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, that's what we, that's what kind of shook out of, uh, out of all of these uh, Skype conversations. And that's what they were. We, we would be Skyping. Uh, you, you guys we, were in different places. Like yeah, different- we were different provinces. Uh you know, it would be, you know, get home from a 10-hour day in the kitchen and then sit on Skype for two, three hours. <laughs> Honey, yeah, I'll, I'll be right there. I'll be right there. Yeah. <laughs> I swear I'm not playing video games. It's just, <laughs> we're actually working. Yeah, I know what you're doing in there. Okay, so volume-wise, is there has there been a point where it's like a little shocking on, on how well people are receiving it? Yes. Uh, we did – so we started off, um, I said, modestly. Mm-hmm. And but then we we're still moving the needle. We're still growing. Mm-hmm. But then we did uh, a couple of promos. We did a radio interview, and that just suddenly we just watched it go, yeah, you know, and it just took off. Um, and then we did. We were in one of the local newspapers, and again, that just gave us a shot in the arm, um, you know, and really poured some fuel on the fire. Um, like Brandon said, it was nothing we couldn't handle um, in the kitchen. Um, but it was definitely, definitely intense. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. you go from cooking X and next thing you know, you're cooking Y and you're thinking, all right, we can do this. Right. You know, we've done it before, but you still got to kind of gear yourself up for it. Mm-hmm. You know? Different kind of challenge, especially since it's, yeah. it's kind of uncharted territory, right? Like you've opened a, you've created a great idea, a great business. And along with that comes 
new territory, right? Oh yeah, we're learning every day. Every day, I mean, something new. I mean, we're uh, we're we're wizards in the kitchen, but I mean, we manage the website. You know, I I know, <laughs> I know <laughs> the command button, the smart, the start button. How do I send this? This guy wants. How do I send that? Yeah, yeah exactly. you know. So it's like, yeah, hey, we got uh, five hundred meals coming out this weekend. Let's. Uh, Five hundred, five zero zero. That you got to kick out, like you got to make in one day. That's correct. That's insane. Oh yeah. But uh, and we do this every week, every <laughs> <laughs> every Saturday, every Saturday. Like the oh, two yeah. of you. Oh, we have another guy too. So there's yeah. three of us. The three of you. Just hey, you know what? We're blossom tunes. Let's get down to business. Yeah, get to work, tunes, fellas. Yeah, get to work. It's sometimes uh, fourteen hour day. Yeah. Sometimes. It's 13 and a half. Mm-hmm. You never know. Yeah, just depending on what you're making and how, how much you're making, right? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes um, sometimes I get a little ahead of myself. I've done that before. I get a little fancy with the menu. Yeah. And then I'm stuck putting my money where my mouth is. I'm like, I really didn't want to make, you know, gnocchi for 500 people, but I guess I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could be killer if you offer too much, right? Yeah. Money's yeah. too large or you're doing dishes that are just too complicated, right? Yeah. Just kind of slow you down. It, it can slow us down, but at the end of the day, I mean, imagine, you know, getting your meal on Sundays. You're like, oh, what am I going to eat? You open up gnocchi. Yeah. And it's handmade. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, hand-rolled, hand-cut, poached, and good for you. I mean, I kind of wake up Monday morning just kind of rubbing my hands going, I, like, this is, the, this is a better feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, knowing that people are eating good food, they have their week planned out for them. So... Yeah, sometimes the the menu can be tough, but it's such a better feeling on Monday when you know you successfully did it. And the cliche is true. Uh, working for yourself, mm. it is rewarding. You know, as lame as that kind of like. It's yeah. something that you would be doing anyway, regardless of work. Like yeah. if you guys were working, let's say you worked in a, you know, a gas station or whatever, you'd still come home and cook if you truly love cooking, right? Yeah, true. Absolutely. And you wouldn't be getting a check for it. So at least now you get to kill time hanging out with the boys and. Making a few meals for people, right? A couple meals. Yeah, a couple meals. Uh, <laughs> hanging out with the boys is fun too. <laughs> you got, no, no, you can't say that. You got to say it's fully work. Oh, Honey, sorry. I'm, no play. It's a horrible 14-hour day I'm going to yeah. put in, so I will see you later. It's grueling. You, Winnipeg. We do this for you. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about Prairie Box and let's describe how the service works. Sure. Scover? Oh, it's, it's brilliant. I mean, uh, everyone's on their cell phone mm-hmm. all the time. Dude, I, I, I don't even know what I, what I did before the smartphone. Right? Yeah, no. And, uh, I mean, you go to prairiebox.com. Yep. It's great. Uh, you know, you get to see this week's menu on there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not much to it. I mean, all people want to see is a menu and where to pay and some questions about when they're going to get their food. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's simple. It's for anyone can get on the website and figure it out. And uh, So how go, do you do it? They get on. <laughs> He said, how do you do it? <laughs> uh, yeah, they get on, they sign up, Yep, we cook the food on Saturdays, and it gets sent to their house delivered in a reefer van on, on Sundays. I'm glad you guys came in. You guys, are, yeah, you guys I, I really hope this uh, this works out. Like, I think it's going to, well, it's taken off already. Um, I hope you're around for a long time. Yeah, I think it's a man. great idea. I appreciate, I appreciate it. Thanks. All yeah, right. Winnipeg need it. Winnipeg is a city that, you know, they're... They love being on the cutting edge of all these new things, mm-hmm. you know, and they get a bad rap uh, from everybody else. You know, you go to BC, Winnipeg, Winnipeg, and they just, you know, think it's hilarious. Great. Don't come here because this place is awesome. You know? That we don't need any more people. No, we're we don't good need right now. Yeah, we don't need <laughs> any more people. 
Um, <laughs> but Winnipeg is ready for something like this. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they like to be on the on the bleeding edge of kind of whatever whatever the newest thing is. You know, um, and this is a wicked city. I think it's a great time for yeah, it. Yeah, like Winnipeg is open, especially restaurant-wise. Uh, new foods, and, uh, tons of festivals. Liquor laws have yeah. loosened up a bit. Rib so this weekend. Well, it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Right? So I just think it's a, a good time for it, right? Absolutely. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot. Coming up after the break, I'm talking with another great local chef who has helped establish Winnipeg as one of the most vibrant food scenes in North America. Stick around to find out who. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. How do you introduce a chef who is one of the first to champion the use of local sustainable ingredients? One who has participated in such notable and innovative culinary events such as Raw Almond and Table for 1200. Chef Ben Kramer is that guy and no introduction can do him justice. Um, so let's talk about the humble beginnings of the infamous Ben Kramer. <laughs> um, what or who inspired you to start cooking? Um, a troubled background. You look uh, like a troubled background. Yeah, I was uh, <laughs> a pretty... Messed up kid, uh, grew up in East Van, got into a lot of legal East, problems. I used, live, I used to live steps away from East Van. Yeah, I was first in commercial. Oh, really? Yeah, East oh. Hastings. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. You grew yeah. up there, really? Yeah, from the time, I guess I was about 11, 12 when wow. I moved there. Yeah. Got thrown right into that uh, from small town Regina. Holy smokes. Uh, so, you know, grew up pretty quick. Yep. Got some street smarts pretty quick. Got involved with not a lot of good stuff. Yep. Uh, and one summer... Uh, I was given the option of spending the summer in youth detention or getting a job. Oh, okay. So I got a job dishwashing at a little cafe on the beach in Ambleside. Lots of pretty girls and down by the beach and started working and, uh, you know, eventually just worked my way up and got myself out of trouble and uh, took a job at a catering company uh, for the movies. Uh, That'd be fun. Yeah, I did a bunch of grunt work. You know, there's, I was, there's tons of that out there. Yeah, I was the guy, and this was like back in the heyday of Vancouver f- films. You know, we were doing X Files and yep. and all those shows. So I got to see the behind the scenes and uh, work my butt off and and make really good money because um, it was really long days and really weird hours, and I was willing to do the work. So I kind of worked my way up, and uh, you know, I've always kind of been into food. My family's big into food, so the the seeds were already there. Yep. And then, uh, you know, just working with some chefs and working in food. When it came time to, you know, get my act together and figure out what I wanted to do, um, food made sense. So I just decided to go to school and make it a real thing. Like, okay, so when was the aha moment? Like when you decided, hey, you know, I can actually, I'm going to do this. Uh, when, when I accidentally made a baby at 19. <laughs> And decided that the uh, the hustling lifestyle didn't fit family life, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and that I you know needed to uh, figure out what I was gonna do outside of uh, or I guess inside of the uh, legal world. <laughs> uh, so for me, that was the big shift. Yeah. It was uh, I'm gonna have a kid. I can't be on the streets doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And uh, what do I know? What have I done? Food makes sense put myself through cooking school yeah. and uh, it's kind of been uphill ever since. Wow. That's crazy. Um, let's talk about um, raw almond. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a yeah. fun one every year. How did that come about? Uh, a good friend of mine, Mandel Hitzer from uh, Deer and Almond, uh, him and Joe put it together and um, I've been friends with him for for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when, when he put together the first one, you know, I, th- I can't remember how many chefs there was. There wasn't many. It was like a handful of us, nine yeah. or something. 
Um, all different chefs from working at different restaurants, doing yeah, different things, coming Winnipeg. together. Yeah, to, yeah. That's so, a great idea. Yeah, he, and, and, you know, in that first year, the idea was we were all going to collaborate and do this crazy thing. And, and we did, and it was great. And it's just built every year. Like, Mandel's done a really good job of building it every year. And now, like, last year, we had 30-some chefs involved from all over Canada, some from the States. Yep. Yeah. How is the relationship between chefs as you're organizing that? Uh, it's great. I mean, M- Mandel does all the work. I just go and cook and have fun. Yep. It's, it's just nice. Probably no responsibility. Just no, it's his cook. baby. My responsibility is, is my night. Yep. Um, but the community is so great down there and, and the chefs that are involved, uh, are all so great. And we all get along so well that, you know, out of the 21 days that that thing runs, I'm down there like 18 of them That's awesome. and I'm working two of them. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. That's it's, great. Yeah, it's it's done a lot for the chef community, you know, not not just in Winnipeg, but uh, like in Canada. Um, let's talk about the Sunday Brunch Collective. Yeah, so that's... Uh, I know you're a big music fan and a lot of it revolves around music, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I love music. Uh, so this one's a partnership with uh, Kitchen Sink, which is the venue, yep. and uh, the Winnipeg Free Press. Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted to do a thing where they uh, engage their readers and... and uh, combined music and food, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, every uh, we're doing one a month. Um, every month is a different uh, musical. Is it the same place every month? Yeah, it's always a kitchen sink. Yep. Um, it's a different menu. I'm I'm doing the food every month, but it, but there's different music. Um, okay. Do, and it, do, and do, do you change the menu based on the type of music? That's yeah. Being so I mean, it's less less. Um, I guess less paired intentionally as far as like as like the taste thing. So we're not walking them through the music, but I'm I know what the music is ahead of time, and I'm kind of gearing. You know, I'm not cheesing it out and and you know doing theme food around right, the music. Right, not like that. Just but, sometimes but certain certain music. I am out. taking into account who's performing, right. and you know, are they a lively group or mm-hmm. are they like a mellow jazz? You know, like that kind of thing. So right. we're we're kind of pairing the food that way. But it's most, brunch. Right. Most Well, I, I don't know if you can in Kitchen Sing, but most of the time, when, I'm, I'm assuming that when you're cooking or, or prepping stuff, there's music going. Yeah. So a lot of times, is it kind of based around that too? You know. Yeah, I mean? except for this one, we're doing a little different. So we want, we want the focus to be on the food and the music. So right. rather than having music during the meal, um, it's 45 minutes of meal mm-hmm. uh, where you're just focused on eating and I'm talking you through what you're eating. And again, you know, we're, we're selling these things out uh, – with nobody seeing the menu. Right. You know, which would have never happened in Winnipeg 10 years ago. Not at it's, all. It's great. So yeah. now all these events we're able to do and be as creative as we want to be or can be. Right. But I think a lot has to do with you, though, too, right? There's a lot of people. Yeah, there's you, some trust, for right. sure. Right. For so sure. a lot of people have gone to a lot of these events that you've put on and they know, you know, the kind of food that yeah. you make and, yeah. and they're in, right? Yeah. And I think that's a big part of it is, is developing that trust with your clientele. Right. But we're doing 45 minutes of food and then... The food stops and it's 45 minutes of music. So 100% of your focus is on the meal and then 100% of your focus is on the music rather than just having the music be background to the food or vice versa. Right, because when you're eating, you're not paying people don't pay attention to that, right? They're usually just eating. Yeah, and I don't want to compete with a musician and I don't want that musician to have to compete with me. I'd, right. I'd much rather people enjoy both. Gotcha. So what's up next as far as you and um, next event goes? Is there any other surprises that are coming up in the near future? Uh, I guess it wouldn't be a surprise if you're going to tell me on the radio. No, Taste is the one we're working on next. That's coming up right away. uh, Next weekend, actually. Right. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, the weekend that this is on, there's one on. Yeah. Okay. We're talking... um, The 29th? The 29th of October? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, this is Saturday. It'll be that night. Okay. 
So yeah, that's what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just casually doing this while everything's yeah, just, happening. Yeah, I'm just down cooking there. in it right now. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the next big one. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's sold out. Uh, yeah, I think it's sold out today. Wow. Yeah, that, that could be a really good, uh, really good following. You're doing it. How long are you doing them? Are you doing them from every month until when? Uh, well, the taste is just a one-time thing, right? Uh, the brunches we haven't set an end date, so we've set just ongoing. Yeah, it's ongoing until we decide to stop it. But there seems to be a good uh, demand for it. People, the reception's been great. People are liking it. So it could be the same thing as the I'm just going to fill in with catering for a while, do this for a little bit till I actually do something. Yeah, I mean, as long as <laughs> as long as we're having fun and and enjoying what we're doing, then I mean, as long as as long as my crew and myself are pushing ourselves and challenging ourselves and having fun and the people on the other end of it are enjoying themselves, then yeah, we'll just go on indefinitely. This has been awesome. I appreciate you coming in, man. No, thank you. All right. More main ingredient after the news, sports and weather at the bottom of the hour. And when we come back, I'll be talking to a chef that brings Jamaica to Winnipeg every time he cooks. Coming up on 680 CJOB. Hey everybody, it's Kevin Bergen from The Main Ingredient. After the news, weather, and sports at the bottom of the hour, I'm going to continue talking with five local chefs I met this summer. And chef number three, straight from Kingston, Jamaica, is up next right here on 680 CJOB. So go get a coffee and come right back. We'll still be here. Welcome back to The Main Ingredient, everyone. I'm Kevin Bergen, and today we are talking to five local chefs I had the privilege of talking to this summer. And right now I'm talking to chef number three, I think is super funny and a bit crazy since he moved to Winnipeg from Jamaica only a couple of years ago alone to pursue his passion for the culinary arts. First, let's start by uh, let's start by you telling me or telling everybody yes. who you are and where you are from. Yes, so I'm Chef Noel Cunningham. I'm from Kingston, Jamaica, all the way from the Caribbean. <laughs> yes, right here in Winnipeg. <laughs> so, yes, so I'm from Kingston, Jamaica. That's where I was born. Yeah, my yes. mom too. Okay, yeah. very good. Yeah, you got to meet her, man. It's going to be a For good time. For sure, yes. All right. Um, before you became, well, you know, obviously you're a chef now. Before you became a chef, just like many other young people, you probably had many career paths in mind. Yes. Right? So what 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 were some of those career paths and what ultimately led you to choose yes. a culinary way to go? Like for me, just like everyone, I was like wondering, what can I do? What should I do? What do I want to become? And then I was always making my list. My sister was always like... Like, um, you know, in Jamaican terms, like, you want to become everything, which <laughs> you want to become everything, you know. <laughs> so at first, though, I wanted to become a teacher. Mm-hmm. I'm passionate about um, teaching and educating on others. So then after, like, you know, like in sixth grade, seventh grade, high school now, I thought that I like business. Mm-hmm. Business is my thing. Eleven, ten grade now, it was time to choose a more career. They gave us a list of, you know, the options. So there was like there was like um home economic, which is food and nutrition, clothing and textile, plumbing, electrical. So I assessed all those areas like do I wanna become an electrician? No. A tailor? No. I saw cooking, food and nutrition, I'm like, Oh yeah, I can do this, you know, become a chef, own my own restaurant and write recipe books, become like a Bobby Flair or Gordon Ramsay, you know. So yeah. I did um I chose um cooking then mm-hmm. and I did you know pretty well in food and nutrition and I decided that like yeah is that right this is my thing <laughs> yes <laughs> that's awesome okay so when you decided that 
obviously there's got to be some sort of motivation, some yeah. sort of inspiration as to why you chose that. Like. Yeah. But like before, I was always in the kitchen with my mom. I was always at her foot, you know, stirring that pot, tasting this, you know, picking out a piece of the meat and <laughs> I did, you know, those sort of stuff. Those sort of stuff. So it was pretty, um, being always a her, then my aunt, who's a professional chef. Yep. She, yeah. So she's always baking and making all these fancy stuff. So it was always, you know, fascinating to see her cooking. And then she's always motivating me to, um, you should do cooking. You should do cooking. I'm like, okay, I'll think about it. Mm-hmm. And then, so by doing food and nutrition now with, and with her support, that was like amazing for me. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to do, do this and become a chef. Okay. What was your first step? My first step after um, graduating from high school, there's this culinary um, college in Jamaica yep. called the Runaway Heart. That was my dream place to be at. Right. Because growing up, most chefs I saw on TV were from there, from Runaway Heart. I would see, you know, chef so-and-so from Runaway Heart. So I'm like, that's where I want to go. I didn't have no intention to go to university. I want to go to Runaway Heart. And then I applied there and I got through, did um, my level one food and Food preparation, did level two come chef, level three, you know, went through the whole process. Right. And that's what I did. And graduated as a certified chef de party. Nice. Okay, yes. so after you after you left there, what happened? Did you start to, did you work for a restaurant? Yes, or did you I wanna... worked. While I was doing my level two, I was working at the Edelism Hotel in, in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. And then was working, going to school. Then I moved back to Kingston. And then I got my first, I would say, head chef position at age 21. I was at Cafe Mantra yep. working. I went there as a regular cook working and the boss saw, you know, potential in me. And she's like, hey, I need to talk with you. I'm like, oh, I got fired now. <laughs> I just got <laughs> I just got the job and I'm canned. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm out. Then she said, um, you know, she's going to promote me to be the kitchen manager as well as the um, manager for the restaurant. I'm like, okay, sure. You know, t- young 21. I'm like, this is opportunity. Why not? So I took it up and... It was pretty good. It was challenging. It was um, new. It was fresh. Nice experience. I put in all the work. And Mm -hmm. that's when I got, you know, my break on the scene as a young chef in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. Was featured in um, numerous, you know, print and magazine and some television, you know. Person's looking for me now. Yeah, that's perfect. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. All right. So who are some of uh, the chefs that you look up to locally or famous chefs yeah for jamaica um in jamaica i've worked um closer with christian sweeney he mm-hmm. was the guy who gave me my first you know break at cafe mantra he mm-hmm. was the consulting chef there and i worked closer with him and then i would say internationally i look up to um gordon ramsay i like his style of cooking do you really yeah like he's all about flavor yep starting off with good flavor which i like then also presentation mm-hmm. and then what he like cleansiness and all these stuff he's just like he's a chef mm-hmm. yeah and i look up to him for that and most persons shy away from him because of his behavior but i've seen him you know in other shows and he's a pretty cool guy right i think a lot of it now especially as yeah. far as television goes because that's what he's known for that yeah. they kind of play on that yeah um but yeah as far as his his personality yeah yeah his cooking skills and his personality off the camera there it's pretty pretty, uh, yeah. pretty decent guy right so i kind of like him for that yeah all right, so let's talk about um, let's talk about your YouTube channel. Yeah, I saw some of the videos that you have going on there. So you know what? You, earlier you said that you were attracted to being, you know, you thought of maybe I'll, I'll be a teacher. Yeah. Whereas, especially when you look at your YouTube channel, and a lot of chefs now, of course, you're preparing food for yeah. a lot of people, but now it's a lot about teaching people 
about the you know ingredients and the things that they can make at home. So yes. is, is that what you really think about when you're making a lot of your videos? Yes, that was the whole aim of it. And I was trying to target um, persons who don't like to cook, mm-hmm. persons who like to cook but want to try something new. Right. That's all aim of it. And also I'm teaching them new stuff, new ideas, mm-hmm. and how to create um, the same regular home dish or to elevate it restaurant style. Right. Yes. Right. I, I know the assumption sometimes is that if you're, let's say you're a Filipino, you're going to cook Filipino food. You're Jamaican, you're going to cook Jamaican food. Yeah. What would you consider your specialty? My specialty um, is fusion. Mm-hmm. Fusion is because as a Jamaican now in Canada, I'm like in the middle. So the whole aim of it is to introduce Caribbean flavors or I would say Jamaican flavors to persons international. And then also to introduce a bit of flair to Jamaican cuisine. Right. So it's like mixing both together so that everyone is happy. Right. So sometimes you find, do, you, do you do Canadian dishes or dishes, you know, that aren't Jamaican and just I'll add do, a Jamaican um, flavor to it? I'll do Canadian dishes, you know, Italian dishes, French dishes with a Jamaican touch with it. You know, use yeah. our scotch bonnet pepper, use, um, like I do, say, for example, a pesto um, pasta. Mm-hmm. I'll do a scotch bonnet pesto pasta because, you know, in Jamaica, we're known for a scotch bonnet pepper. Mm-hmm. And adding that now to the pesto, we kind of steal it a little to our cuisine, you know, add yeah. some Jamaican flavor to it. For yeah. sure. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So obviously you're, you spend a lot of time cooking. What is your favorite thing that you like to cook for yourself? Myself, I would say something Omi from Jamaica, of course, you know, being here in, in the cold in Canada, having some Jamaican food really give me some comfort of home. Mm-hmm. So it's a nice Jamaican oxtail for sure. Yeah. With some rice and peas. <laughs> You're laughing, you know it, right? <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing you can say that I don't know already, I know. Right? Some curry goat, you yeah. know. Those kind of home food give us some, some steamed fish. I like fish. Yeah. Some steamed fish with okra and stuff. That's my type of food. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Wow, I'm really hungry now. Um, <laughs> okay, so is, is is your end game owning a restaurant? Like, would you like to open your own restaurant here in Winnipeg, or you want to stay mobile with the catering thing? And it's my goal to mm-hmm. really open my restaurant, and it's a perfect spot here in Winnipeg. You mm-hmm. know, these people they love their food, which is good, and I support and I endorse. Mm-hmm. And it's a nice part of a Jamaican restaurant. Mm-hmm. Person's always asking, "Where can I get some Jamaican food? Can I? I need some. with a Jamaican restaurant?" And I'm like, you know. Soon and very soon, yeah. Cuisine by Noel will be opening right here in Winnipeg. Yeah, it'll be good. <laughs> yeah, some Jamaican good, fusion. Yeah. Um, so if people want to get a hold of you, how do they do so? Um, I'm very active on Facebook, Chef Noel Cunningham. Yep. My website, chefnoelcunningham.com, Instagram at I am Chef Connie, Twitter, I am Chef Connie. And for phone number, 204-679-4690. That's perfect. Thanks for coming yes. by, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yes. We'll be back with more main ingredient after the break. Um, so, Fraser, how you doing today? Excellent, Kevin. Okay. You know, I got a couple questions here for you, and I'm going to get into a few personal things, if you don't mind. Sure, absolutely. Uh, so, the first question is, um, let's get into a bit of your history and what led you to become a chef. Back in the day uh, when I had some friends over, and it was like in the later parts of high school, and my parents happened to be out of town, and... The boys got a little hungry and they raided the my parents' freezer. And at that time, we happened to have uh, my parents purchased a half a cow, and um, they pulled out this uh, package that said tenderloin on it. And they're like, "Fraser, what's tenderloin?" And we were like, "I don't know what tenderloin is." And it was this frozen, frozen 
<laughs> piece of <laughs> like log almost and that we didn't really know what was going on and uh they were like okay well let's cook it up and so we turned on the barbecue and threw this frozen solid piece of meat onto the barbecue and uh we totally forgot about it and luckily the barbecue ran out of gas and we remembered that uh we had this uh tenderloin out on the barbecue and uh, we opened it up and it was just charred. It was just so charred. And we were like, oh, no, it's done. And we were like, oh, let's try it anyways. <laughs> and uh, we cut into it. And still to this day, some of my friends will come up to me and say that was probably some of the best beef that we've ever had. I love that. Like, was, what are the chances of that? Eh? Oh, it was just totally fluke. But ever since then, <laughs> like, it's, it's still when friends come into the restaurant, uh, they'll, they'll be saying, like, you know, that steak that we had back in the day, it was... Is, as much as tonight was good, they're saying that steak was pretty – that was exceptional. That's awesome. So, and, and it was free. That's the best and part. And it was free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. No, that's good. Um, so now that, you're, now that you are a chef and let's say your friends are having a barbecue, <laughs> you know, you're, you're a chef at this highest, high-end restaurant. Um, do people invite you to barbecue still? Um, do they invite you to dinner? You have this uh, gorgeous family and I'm wondering, do they get deprived <laughs> because of what you do? <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, um, how should I answer that? Uh, it's a yes and no situation. Um, a lot of the times, unfortunately I'm working right now, yep. uh, but, um, uh, I do have the pleasure, uh, the pleasure of uh, joining family and friends out, uh, for a bite to eat and, um, to go over to their house. I would have to say, yeah, majority of the time they're pretty intimidated, uh, <laughs> I would but as soon as, as soon as they meet me and, and all of a sudden, like, uh, we jump in together and we start chefing up, um, whatever is on their menu, they get relaxed and they all of a sudden realize this is, this is pretty cool. Okay. That's good. So were you part of the staff that opened the restaurant? You were, right? Uh, yes. Uh, me and uh, Mike DeQuisto, um, we opened, uh, Wellington together. And uh, uh, I was uh, his Sue out at Green Gates, mm-hmm. and basically um, he was asked from Doug Stephen to uh, start a new venture, and so he asked uh, if I'd like to join him on that uh, on that party. And ever since, it's been history. So yeah. when you knew what the venture was, because it was quite ambitious, right? This oh yeah, this turn of the century house being yes. renovated, and and you knew what kind of what kind of clientele you guys were trying to reach. What were your first thoughts? Like in, in Winnipeg. Winnipeg has a ton of restaurants, so it's quite ambitious in this city. We were quite nervous uh, because of the location of it. Yep. And uh, But uh, the f- we, we were having different feedback. We were like, what a great place. Uh, it's just right beside me. Uh, it's like, well, now it's in walking distance. Um, and then there was the other side. What is a, what is a restaurant doing on this side of the river? Um, because we were kind of like right on that trend setting time of, uh, the, uh, the court and village area. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I think there might've been some history of that area that people were a little nervous about, uh, a larger restaurant coming over into the, um, that side of Wellington and stuff like that. Um, but overall, um, the feedback was great and everybody was super excited about it. You kind of forget how much time has passed, like what a different time 01 was compared to now. You know, like Winnipeg was, how much it's grown and different things have changed since then, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, uh, as, as much as like Winnipeg is a very old school uh, city, it, uh, it also is very, it's a striving city to, to uh, keep very um, new and fresh and, and trendy. Mm-hmm. And um, us opening up uh, Wellington, um, 
it was it was really exciting. It, it started becoming when you when you're sitting there and you're realizing what the potential could be. Like you're like, wow, this could be something really cool. Mm-hmm. It could be an icon, a, a really uh, mystique restaurant, um, a cornerstone of history. And uh, and that's what we really tried to live up to is because not only is it a beautiful house, but uh, it has such historic history of of uh, being a part of establishing Winnipeg in itself um, with being in the Ashdown family and stuff like that. But the first thing I think of uh, when I think of an upscale steakhouse is, uh, you know, a, b- a bit of snootiness. An upscale steakhouse on Wellington, I think, you know, it's snooty, but 529 seems to be the exact opposite. Everybody's the staff is very welcoming. They're very nice. Uh, so I'm wondering if if that's something you guys strive to achieve. Oh, um, absolutely! Like w- one of the stigmas that Five to Nine Wellington does have is that it's this posh, um, uh, unapproachable restaurant, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's one of the things that we've been. Well, I should say we we sh- we've been able to accomplish that on to a certain level where we make it really inviting for a lot of guests. Um, like a lot of people will uh, walk in very nervous and then right away it's like, hello, welcome, you know, and right then you could just see like their nervousness just kind of relax and their shoulders come down and, and smiles go on their faces. And, um, we also get the phone calls of like what type of dress code we have and it's business casual and, uh, just like a lot of restaurants, uh, we, uh, we have certain dress codes, but nothing, nothing terribly formal or mm-hmm. anything like that. Yep. It's a beautiful restaurant. It is and, gorgeous. Uh, and, uh, but it's, it's far from intimidating. It's, it's, it's very fun. Okay. Five, two, nine has won plenty of awards and had great reviews over the years. So how do you feel when it gets a bad one? Uh, luckily that's far in between, <laughs> but it does happen occasionally mm-hmm. where we get these curveballs. Um, not necessarily in the media, but uh, we do get the the feedback on uh, social media and uh, through also um, just uh, somebody giving us a call back saying mm-hmm. that uh, it seemed that our table happened to fall between the cracks and we're on damage patrol immediately. Um, and that's one of the things that uh, we really try to. Um, uh, work on as a restaurant is uh, being on that damage patrol within like 24 hours kind of thing. So hopefully the guests will either say at the time that it's happening when it's a lot easier to um, to fix a problem or contact us immediately afterwards. Right, especially and in the restaurant industry, people are quick to not say anything. That's that's kind of the hard thing. They exactly. will be completely disappointed. They won't tell anybody, but yeah. as soon as they leave, then they'll tell everybody. Right? Exactly. Yeah, and and again, that's that's the history of Winnipeg. Like uh, a lot of people were so nice and they're they're so polite mm-hmm. to the point where they won't really say anything at the table, right. um, but they'll tell a hundred of their friends after the fact. For sure. And that's what we want to make sure that doesn't happen. So, and that's one of the things that we strive for at the restaurant is to make sure that everybody is treated um, equally and as special as the first table to the very last table. Well, that show was awesome. Thanks for hanging out with me here today on The Main Ingredient, where we continue to talk to great local beer, wine and food creators, innovators, and local food champions. If you missed any part of today's show, you can listen to it again or previous other Main Ingredient shows at your leisure on iTunes. I'm Kevin Bergen, and I'll talk to you next week here on 680 CJOB. This is 680 CJOB.